0: Welcome into the Grace One Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. This is a verse by verse edition with Dr. R.B. Maynard. Going through the word on the Grace One Daily Podcast, we exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. Thank you for tuning in. So Dr. R.B. Maynard, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fresh off a run from the track. Yeah, well, I'm getting I, back into the running thing a little bit. I walked in my truck and then I walked in the church today. So <laughs> It's like that one guy I said, oh, I, I run around the block 50 times every day and I don't know what's happening. I get out of bed, I pull the block out and yeah. run around it 50 times and <laughs> kick it back under the bed. Uh-huh. I can't figure out why I'm not losing weight. So. Yeah.
1: It's like I'm too yeah. out of shape to exercise.
0: Yeah, so. I, I, li- I like running. I just, you know, you got to grind it out a little bit more as the years go on, if mm. you will.
1: I never did. You know, even I played basketball mm-hmm. and I ran track, but I
0: hated just just running. distance running. I yeah. mean, I couldn't I just couldn't do it. So well, me and my good friend, Gabe, we show those old ladies at the YMCA track up every <laughs> single day. We're just passing them and do you pass them or do you just, actually push them. It was battle of the uh, um, stroller mamas, oh, mommies today. It's uh-huh. like, look out for the stroller, you yeah. know. So anyway, yeah. If you ever like get in uh, the above 60, probably even above 70 range and you're mm-hmm. single, go to the YMCA track. Good place to pick up the chicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're
1: <laughs> between that and the grocery store, right. they say.
0: So. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with the Bible, but and anyway, we're not on Solomon yet with lots of wives. No, really. We,
1: we got off track really early today. Here we go.
0: Well, let's let's get focused. Okay. Okay. All right. got to let you. We're real people, okay? So as much as you hear Dr. R.B. Maynard's voice and think he's just – almost godlike, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, he is a real person. Right, right.
1: Not really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we better get going here. Uh, First Kings 1830, uh, this is after um, the prophets of Baal have, you know, done all of their dancing around and cutting themselves and yelling and screaming and doing everything they can to try to get fire from heaven uh, and they're unsuccessful. So verse 30 says, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which which was in ruins. And so, uh, you know, I st- I still love Elijah, and, and I bet you he's like, Lord, thank you for putting me in this position to mm-hmm. make these guys look. <laughs> I mean, you have to take a little pride, I guess, maybe that's not the word, but in knowing that Man, my God's on my side now. You guys watch this. You yeah. know he he had to be excited about what he knew was was coming. So it'd be it'd be a little bit like uh, you know having prayer for somebody at the church when you absolutely knew that God was going to heal them. You know mm-hmm. the blind guy and he's never been able to see his whole life, and for whatever reason, you knew without a doubt that God was going to heal him. And people have been saying, "Oh, there's no healing. There's no God doesn't heal people anymore." And you're like. Yeah, well, just watch this, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I know Jesus was. Uh, I don't know that he suffered with uh, that part of being a man, but you wonder sometimes if he didn't say, "Hey, gather around, watch this." Yeah, you know, let me show you <laughs> what what God can do. That's the issue. So, uh, thirty-one and thirty-two. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob. Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. So you can't use the same altar. In other words, he didn't, whatever they built for Baal, he didn't say, okay, take the stuff off, and let's put some other wood on there and do all this. It has to be uh, a new altar that you uh, that's not been used for pagan worship or whatever. So uh, and they believe maybe that the people even helped it, helped with the altar building um, when they saw that Baal didn't answer. And there's a real there's a real strong belief, and and it's not so far fetched that a lot of these people were probably former God worshippers that had just been led astray. You know, we always look at these things like, okay, you mm-hmm. know, here's all the non believers, and then here's all the believers. But we know that there are people. If if this scenario happened to us today, there would be people who have heard all about God and maybe even were believers at one time, but then they've been swayed. You know, how often do you hear about kids that go away to college? And they've been taught their whole life, serve God their whole life, and they get to be 18, 19 years old, they go off to college and come back the next mm-hmm. year and now they don't believe in God anymore. Yep. You know, so there is there is that swaying. So um and the trench they said would hold four and a half gallons of water, which is not really that much water and we'll kinda of come back to that. But yeah. Um, you don't know the depth of the trench. You don't know how broad it is. But it says, uh, when it talks about the sias, it says it would have been broad enough to hold about thirty six pounds of grass seed. And grass seed, thirty six pounds of grass seed will co- cover seven thousand square feet. Seven thousand square feet would be the uh, the square footage of the temple itself. Now, I'm not. You know, I'm always very the careful. the trench. You're talking about the trench. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, I, I'm not one to try to make something out of nothing. So sometimes, and I and I've said that many times. Those who have have heard me teach have heard me say that that uh, you know don't make something out of nothing. But sometimes it's just an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 36 pounds. Oh, it so 7,000 square feet. Well, that depends on soil, and that depends on how thick you sow, you know so. So to make that come out to seven thousand and say that was the size of the temple, maybe it was, maybe mm-hmm. it all is symbolic. But uh, but you can't really uh, say some of these things for fact that that's the way they are. So
0: amplified says here twenty two quarts of
1: liquid, 22 quarts, yeah, is what their little notation so, says. Yeah, and that's and again there's debate because one thing says and we'll come back to that, but one thing says barrels, one of them says pitchers. Uh, you know, I think basically we don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. Is what we need to say. But uh, 33 through 35, he arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars. So here you have, that's that's the NIV, jars with water, and pour it on the offering uh, and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down the altar and filled the trench. The King James says four barrels. So... Are we talking about 55-gallon drums, you know, 200 gallons of water? I mean, I don't know. So it would have been 12 barrels total. But they had to bring that water up Mount Carmel. So, you know, it's not like they go down and load it in the truck and they had 55-gallon drums like we would today. I I don't know Mm -hmm. exactly. But but it wasn't too far. The Kishon Brook was not very far from this area. So uh, they did have... Access to water. I know it, this has been a time of drought, but not everything was dried up. I mean, obviously they had to have some water from somewhere. So, so barrels or pitchers, but the the 12 is represented and it does say he took 12 stones for the 12 tribes. Now he has 12 uh, barrels or 12 pitchers. So there is, you know, there was something very significant about the 12 tribes of Israel because that number yeah. is used Many times over, and I'm not one of those. I don't even know what the uh, is it numerology or whatever yeah, where that. numbers every number represents mm-hmm. you know something. Um, and I do believe some of that is true. I yep. mean, there are numbers in the Bible that are used over and over for uh, certain things. So, but anyway, we won't try to make something out of out of nothing. <laughs> but the number, i.e.,
0: the Book of Numbers.
1: Yes, there yeah. you go. Um. And that you know, there's again, and I always I use this phrase. Some say, and that's what I, that's the way I read it when I read a commentary or something. It'll just say some say, mm-hmm. and you can usually now. Sometimes it'll just it's kind of like we use that phrase. Well, everybody does it, or everybody says this, or everybody believes. Well, who's everybody? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> or they say that's our that's our saying. They say that. Well, who is who is they? But, um, but, the, but there is some belief that it was more than just bringing those pitchers, that there was something miraculous, um, and we can believe it because he just had a miraculous uh, thing with the flour and the oil that never ran dry. And so there's some who believe that the pitchers, as he began to pour, they just continued to pour out of there, that it wasn't necessarily uh, all these different barrels or all these different pitchers but that it continued to flow out of the picture as a, as a miraculous thing. So, again, you can take that for what it's worth. That's not uh, the gospel here today. But um, And this is, you know, I believe Elijah had to have heard from God. Elijah is not the kind of guy who is, we would call it, tempting God. Okay, God, now you better show up here and prove yourself to these people I don't think, um, because we don't really have record where it said God said build this altar, God said pour this many pitchers. God said put 12 stones, God said, God said. We don't have that in this story. It's more like Elijah is doing these things and God is putting his stamp of approval. Uh, again, we don't know for sure, but but he's not just showing off with this. And we think, well, wouldn't it be enough if fire came from heaven and consumed everything? Why why the water? Why make it, why the drama, I mm-hmm. guess? And, but I think Elijah knew that these were people who've, who have be- believed so strongly in a false God that it's going to take something big for them to uh, change their belief in this false God and begin to believe in the real God. And I, I've said it before. I prayed many times over people that something would happen in their life that they would know that only God can do this. So I know we can say well God shouldn't have to prove himself but for some people they're not going to believe without something happening that they know uh, had to have been God because there's too many things we can say what a coincidence or man I was lucky today you know that car didn't hit me today boy I was lucky you know and there's so many people who believe that things just happen by mm-hmm. chance so so this was, You know, I'm going to show you who the real God is. 1836-37, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. So at some point he had um, a conversation with God. Answer me, O Lord, answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And I love the difference between what Elijah does and what all the prophets of Baal, they had screamed, they had yelled, they had cut themselves, they had danced around, they'd spent all day. And with this, there's no pleading, there's no screaming, there's no dancing, there's no repetitive prayers, there's no cutting yourself. All of these things that they had done, uh, he did with a simple prayer. And I am... Um, I'm a believer in that. I've said it many times, and I, uh, sometimes I, f- I forget my uh, stories, whether it was here or whether it was in Sunday school, but I've told this story many times about uh, driving back from California one time. We used to make several trips when I was a kid. We lived there part of the time. We lived in Missouri. And uh, I can remember one time back then you didn't have interstates. Everything was two-lane highway, 66 highway from here to Los Angeles basically. And so you were going down these two-lane, it was pouring (laughs) down rain, and my dad pulled out to pass somebody, and the car just started, I mean, it hydroplaned and started just spinning in circles. And uh, I I can remember my mom at that time, she didn't say, oh, Lord, God of the universe, you know your humble servant, and she just was saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, you know, Jesus knew what, <laughs> and I remember it was, we spun around and around, went off in the ditch, in the grass, and slid up. I mean, we were inches from a telephone pole. And so, well, you know, there you go with luck and and <laughs> all of those things. But it didn't take a big, long prayer. You know, it took, you know, Lord, help me. That's mm-hmm. That's my most common prayer. Lord, help me you know or lord forgive me that's probably yeah <laughs> that's probably the most frequent one but um, and it, at your command um, it, there's no showing off here there's no this is all about me and I'm going to prove to you that I'm the great prophet Elijah and God speaks he says let it be known that you are God and let it be known that I'm your servant and that in a, in a simple sense, should be the prayer of every pastor, every Sunday school teacher, every person in, in leadership, is your goal is let it be known that you are God and I am your servant. I don't do these things because uh, because I, I'm showing off. I don't do these things because I want to be known or I want to be heard. But I want people to understand here that that this is proof, not that I'm a great prophet, but proof that you're a great God- mm-hmm. and where I stand I'm not the guy he's the guy and for every for every minister and it, it doesn't just go to to pastors I mean I could sit here and say now pastor let me tell you how you should act and you should give God credit and all it goes to every kind of leadership mm-hmm. you know I need that same leadership when I get up in a Sunday school class when I do a podcast whatever it is um, that i do i need that mentality that my purpose is to show you are god and i'm just a servant i'm just somebody who's here reading scripture i'm just somebody who's trying to tell you what i've learned it's not like sometimes people think man that guy's smart not about me they don't think that about me (laughs) but you know they think Mm -hmm. and it's like they think he was just gifted with smartness and all it is is that guy has just studied that particular thing to be able to share that information. Yep. And so they say an expert is only somebody who just knows a little more than everybody else.
0: <laughs> you know, that
1: makes you an expert in, in everything. But, um, and it, I mean, all of this had never happened like this before. Wait a minute, I'm out of order here. I've got something wrong. No? Okay. Oh, never mind. Do you think I, I just wrote the question? Do you think Elijah may have been nervous? It's never happened like this before. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. have the record that that it was directed by God, even though he says at your direction. We don't have those words from God. Uh, the water had made it more difficult, and the question would be for for me. I, I'm not Elijah. I don't have that kind of faith. God's never spoke to me in that sense, but you know, we say, what if God doesn't come through? You know, that would be my biggest fear and probably is our fear when we pray for people sometimes. What if God doesn't do it? You know, if he doesn't do it, does it, are they going to think God was not able to do it? And especially if we're praying with people who don't really understand. I mean, People in the church generally I mean they may come up and be prayed for, and maybe the miracle doesn't happen right then, but they have a better understanding about God and about God's will and all of those things, but for non believers mm-hmm. that you pray for them and then they don't see an instant result yeah um
0: I've had that a lot with uh people who are non believers non followers basically, they're disconnected from the church, not really following Jesus, mm-hmm. but maybe they might have a connection or they're a wayward backslip, whatever. And, you know, they have some medical emergency, then they want prayer, you know, it's like, oh man, now, maybe if I just, you know, call the pastor and he waves the magic wand and Mm -hmm. we'll be good to go. Yeah, I've I've had that where I've been nervous, like, okay. And so they're basically, they basically want me to come to the hospital and do a miracle Mm -hmm. for them to get them out of that scenario, which is bad. But do they really want to follow God or have anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do with Him? Is a question.
1: Well, we have hospital chapels, yeah, and people will go to a chapel while they're at the hospital to pray for their loved one who they've never prayed for before, who they've never been in church or anything. And I'm not, you know, I'm glad if they've never prayed before, I'm glad they're praying Mm -hmm. now. I don't mean that, but it's it's like God's the last resort. Mm -hmm. That's the way it works. Like you said about the guy, prayer has it come to that. Yeah, you know that's kind of the, the attitude. So uh, you know, and and we can be presumptuous. You know, we can say things, God's going to do this, and if you just have enough faith, God's going to heal you. Or, you know, we build a false hope sometimes with people, and then if it doesn't happen, it's even more mm-hmm. of a tragedy in their life to try to believe the next time because you just swore to them. That God was going to heal him, and then it didn't um, happen. And I, I read that I think we have talked about it before, but Henry Blackaby, I don't, I don't know if you've read yep. anyway. He he read had that. a book and a and a workbook called Experiencing God. Mm-hmm. And Good uh, one. One of the things that he said was when we're praying about things, we come up with a plan, and then we ask God to bless it. And what he's saying is, you find what God's blessing, and then help me to get involved in that. Mm-hmm. What is what is God doing and help yep. me get involved? Yep. Not, you know, Lord, okay, we've got this plan for this thing. Now you bless it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, you know, with, with Elijah, with all of these things that are going on here, this is not about um, himself. It's not about, Lord, bless what I'm doing here. Um, but And it says you are turning their hearts back again. And that's the sole purpose for all of this thing for uh, revival. I don't know how many times since I, you know, again raised in the church, how many times in my life have I heard say, "Pray for revival. Pray for revival." And and revival. The the problem is, even the way I was raised, revival became a series of meetings. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to have revival with such and so evangelist <laughs> starting Sunday morning through Wednesday. So he'll be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and that's revival. And, and, I, and I get it, the word revive. Yes, I need to come to revival. I need to hear things that, you know, I need to be revived, if you would. But true revival, if you look at, at history of revivals, it caused change throughout the community. It was not, uh, you know, the, the Brownsville revival, I think when that was uh, happening, when those things were going on, I think they, if, if you would read about it, they had less crime in the city. I mean, things things changed through the community, not just that the people in the church got better.
0: Yeah, they had more, more church services. Right. I mean,
1: so revival's not a series of, of services. Revival is a, a change in people's lives and People should. I mean, this says you are turning their hearts back again. I mean, that's the sole purpose: bringing people back who were either once here or who have never been here. Um, But anyway, we'll read on. 1838, 39. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, "The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God." and this would again it would be a magic trick in our day that would be like wow that was cool how would he do that i mean that's um and and you look at this i don't i don't know much about fire and the heat of fire but it says it burned up um the wood it burned up the stones mm-hmm. which is uh, yeah. i've heard of stones if you if you build a campfire there are certain stones i think that Um, will break or explode if they get too hot so I don't know what those are so I don't build too many campfires but um, but the stone and the dirt I've never heard of dirt that burned Uh, you know I don't quite understand that either but and then the water I mean if you can't believe the wood the stones the dirt (laughs) but then the water completely dried up because it was such a massive um, uh, fire and I've heard even in with a fire department, when you have a building that's that's really blazing, they say a lot of times when you're spraying water on that, that the water is evaporating before it even gets to the flames hmm. because of the heat. Yeah, and so that's why it's so hard to fight some of these major buildings that are on fire. Uh, and then the water begins to like with nine one one. I mean, you had that pile of rubble and there was fire underneath all that that sometimes the water just runs off that top surface. It just creates a a barrier, and it runs off that top surface and continues to burn underneath there. So, um, and uh, again, the hearts of the people begin to turn back to God, and that's the sole, sole purpose. 1840, then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal, don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. So there's 450 uh, of these. And it's like, kill every one of them. We're trying. The purpose here is to get rid of Baal worship. It -hmm. was like the people who came into the land of Canaan were supposed to kill all the Canaanites. But they didn't do that. And they began to come back in. And eventually, uh, they were following the gods of the Canaanites. And You know, God had a purpose there to kill them all off, to start fresh. They didn't do it. In this case, they do kill them all. And this is, (laughs) there's justification for this, and we're not going to read it right now, but if you look in in Deuteronomy 13, right at the very beginning, it talks about how to handle situations like this, and it says to uh, kill off the prophets when they are, prophesying things either good or bad or whatever but when they're false prophets um, they it says they're well these prophets have doomed people to hell by their teaching so sometimes it's it's you know it's one thing if I sin if I have secret sin that affects me and I know our sin affects everyone but you know what I'm talking about I have personal things that affect me that's one thing if if I'm teaching, Something that is contrary to God and being responsible of sending people to hell because of my teaching—I think that's a whole other—that's a whole other area.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And God <laughs> was God was very specific about these things, and I—I I love that. I—I have to jump ahead because one of the things I—I I read, and it's—it's it's actually talking about Elisha later, but I'm going to talk about it here because I think it fits too. Uh, when, they, when they've done some of the excavations uh, of like the, the gates of, of the temple where Baal was worshipped or what they believe is that temple, um, they found uh, something there that looks like a toilet. It's a rock with the center carved out of it. I mean, it looks like a toilet. And if you read on, you can read on in Kings and clear in Second Kings, but it talks about that what they would do was when you had a, a temple or Baal worship or any kind of pagan worship, when, you, when they tore those temples down, they would build a latrine there, and people would come by and use that. In other words, it was some of it was symbolic. Some of them weren't, weren't actually used. So it would be um, the same thing as we have a storefront. I mean, I'm not saying we do, but if we had a storefront downtown, that was uh, a satanic worship. And the Christians in this community wound up causing that place to shut down because of our prayer or our protest, whatever it might be, that you would actually take a toilet there, sit it out in front of that place to, to emphasize how uh, degrading, how horrible of a place that was. Mm. And, and I think – you know it's a I'm not saying we should do that today, but it's one of those things that we're so light on sin, I think, mhm-, yeah that well God is that in other words, if we did that today, people would be like, "Oh now that's kinda <laughs> you know, I mean, we caused them to shut down, you know, they moved on, let's just you know kind of leave it alone, and you know it went away, God took care of it, let's be nice here." <laughs> and I think there's a time and we've talked about this with all the virus all the thing all the church closings all those kind of things that are going on there's a time to stand up and <laughs> I know I'm using it loosely here but there's time to stand up and put a toilet in front of the <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know something yeah. to say this place has caused people to go to hell this is degrading god hates idolatry god hates these things and it says I think in it's quite a ways over in Second in, uh, Kings, but it says they made latrines. They tore down the temple and turned it into a latrine. And so people would come by and, I mean, basically use it mm-hmm. for for that yeah. purpose. And, and if they didn't, because I guess they can do all the DNA and all that kind of stuff. So they said the one that they found didn't appear that it had ever been used, so it was more symbolic again. Whether you take a new toilet, an old toilet, mm-hmm. and set it up there in front of that building or whatever, uh, whether it had ever been used or not, it would be symbolic of how degrading and how horrible this place was that you defiled Carthage by having this idol worship there. Yeah. So
0: strange. Moral of the story is we hope that you ne- you hope you never walk in your Sunday school classroom on Sunday morning. There's a toilet. Sitting right. there.
1: I I probably shouldn't <laughs> have shared that story because because
0: that. And
1: now that uh, you know, whoever's watching, I'm gonna mm-hmm. know that if somebody did that, it's gonna <laughs> be somebody who listens to the podcast. So right. <laughs> I will figure out who did it. Don't don't think I won't know. So, uh, but anyway, these guys these guys had doomed people to hell basically by their teaching. These prophets of Baal, these prophets of um, Baelzebub, if you want to, you know, that's mm-hmm. where that comes from. So. Uh, 1841, and Elijah said to Ahab, "Go eat and drink, for there's the sound of heavy rain." So, you know, that's what this whole thing's been about is the drought. I mean, that's that's why we're praying for rain. That's why they're sacrificing and praying for rain, and all of those uh, all those things that have been going on. It's all about the rain. It's all about the drought. 1842. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees, Uh, and we talked about this pretty lengthy, and we won't probably do that today, but there is a spiritual exhaustion, and people don't realize the the load that pastors carry, the load that ministers carry, the responsibility of, now unless you're just an arrogant man who thinks you know everything... (laughs) And, you know, these people just ought to listen to me and do what I say to do. And unless you have that arrogance about you, uh, ministry is exhausting. And people don't realize that. They don't realize that. I've used the illustration. When I worked at the hospital, I I was on the premises 24 hours. So I got to sleep at night if we didn't have calls. And, you know, sometimes you sleep all night. Sometimes you're up all night. I mean, it was... Mm-hmm. But but there was always, and people would say, "Well, I know you don't make much money per hour, but you get paid to sleep." And yes, that's true. <laughs> but there was still right. <laughs> there was still a uh, a knowing in my head that I could have to get up at any minute and deal with a life threatening mm-hmm. situation. And as pastors, uh, phones ring in the middle of the night sometimes. They ring when it's very inconvenient. They ring when you're on vacation. There's, you know, there is a, um, a spiritual exhaustion that can, can come on ministers, evangelists, pastors, whoever. That is legitimate, and I think what's happened here: Ahab goes off to, or Ahab goes off to eat and drink. Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. I think the anointing is—I've described the anointing on. On me at different times is heavy. It feels like a heaviness. I have been sometimes more tired from preaching, teaching, whatever you want to say it. At different times, not every week, but at different times, I felt the anointing of the Lord more strong. And it's people think, oh man, you ought to be all revived after the anointing of God came on you. Sometimes it's it's heavy and it's tiresome because the physical body can't handle that spiritual heaviness, and it takes something out of us. And so for, for pastors, I think people need to remember that that pastors and, and leadership, if you would, uh, that there's an exhaustion. And the responsibility of, of leading people, what if God doesn't answer? It's, it's back to what we said. What if I say the wrong thing? Uh, all of these things that go through a pastor's mind, I don't know about you, but there's times – I've listened back to, like, a podcast or something, and, like, well, I hope they got that. I don't know if I said that right. I don't know if they understood that right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's just a there's a great responsibility. It would be a whole lot easier for you to take a, tr- a secular job. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't be because you have the calling of God, but I'm just talking about the physical aspect. You could go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. You could get off at 3 o'clock, and when you get off at 3 o'clock – you don't think about your job again until seven o'clock the next morning. Mm-hmm. There's something about that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to work that factory job or whatever that that causes that. But the the one thing about Elijah that I love here too, he didn't wait around for people to praise him. He didn't wait around for people to come up and pat. Him, Man, Elijah, mm-hmm. that was awesome. You really showed them, and you know, and all of us. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to deny the fact that it feels good for somebody to say, you did a good job, or but but I think he's either totally exhausted or he's like, I don't need anybody. You know, this is God commanded it. God came through. God did it all. I'm just the servant. I don't need a pat on the back. I'm not going to wait around, you know, for people to come up and say, what a great job that you've you've done here. And, and this he's there's been a big sacrifice and there's going to be a heavy rain coming. So uh, for Elijah here what what has happened is all going to be rewarded and in good measure. I mean it's not going to start sprinkling. there's not going to be a heavy <laughs> dew or something. there's going to be uh, a heavy rain that's a result of all this. So we better wrap it up there.
0: All right, hey, verse by verse Dr. R.B Maynard check it out each and every week. Like, share, subscribe. We appreciate you always dialing in, being a part of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time.